Hi guys, uh, welcome back to my podcast. Uh, today we're going to do uh, hepatitis B, but I will start off with just defining what hepatitis is. Uh, some other day we would be able to go into hepatitis and the causes and the management, but today we just do hepatitis B. So hepatitis. Hepatitis is inflammation of the liver. Remember, a few of you have told me that I talk too fast in the podcast, so I'm really going to try and talk a little bit slower so that it's better. Okay. So what is hepatitis? Is inflammation of the liver causing cell death, either by necrosis or apoptosis. So we all know that apoptosis is um, programmed cell death, and all this happens following injury to hepatocytes. I hope we've gotten the definition. So it can be either acute or chronic. So acute is less than six months, while chronic is greater than six months. So what is hepatitis B? Uh, hepatitis B is a viral infection. It is a DNA virus that belongs to the hepatovirus group. Uh, it can be divided into acute and chronic, and there are different forms of the viral hepatitis. There is hepatitis A, B, C, D, E. So for hepatitis B, there is acute and chronic. So for acute, uh, it's usually subclinical to icteric to fulminant, while chronic is asymptomatic where there's a state of being a carrier, then there's chronic hepatitis, which could lead to cirrhosis, which could now cause cell dysplasia, leading to hepatocellular carcinoma. So hepatitis is really something that, that should not be played with. It can be transmitted easily. And, you know, uh, with hepatitis B, it can either, it can resolve spontaneously, or it will go into a chronic state of hepatitis. I know management of hepatitis takes long. Like, the management is like, six months to 12 months. It's not that you're taking drugs for two weeks because you have a home or something. No, 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 no. It's something that takes long because now you see there has been damage to the hepatocytes, which are the cells of the liver. So we need to regenerate these cells back. So for what determines the outcome for hepatitis B? So things like immune status, because if you're immunosuppressed, like you have HIV, you have malignancy, these are things that can affect your outcome, age. Uh, if you're younger, you have a better prognosis than those who are older. And the level of replication that is going on with the virus. And it's obvious that if you are immunocompromised, obviously the level of re replication sorry, is going to be higher. So how is hepatitis B transmitted? So there are four main ways in which hepatitis B can be transmitted. We have percutaneous, we have perinatal, we have sexual, which is the major mode of transmission, and we have horizontal. So we're going to go through each of them, and we begin with uh, percutaneous. So for percutaneous, it's found in things like needle sharing, blood transfusion, people who are IV, drug users, it's just percutaneous. Perinatal. So for perinatal, you should know that there's 90% transmission, especially if a mother is hepatitis B positive. There's a 90% chance that she could transmit it to her child. And the highest part of transmission during uh, perinatal is at birth, where there is 98% of transmission in this particular time. What is important to note is that no data has been proven to show that a CS prevents transmission. So there's really no need of doing a CS. If a mother has hepatitis B, fine. We're not going to do CS unless there's an obstetric reason to do the CS. Hepatitis B should not be a reason for you to do CS. And that's why it's important to have all mothers tested for hepatitis B. At first contact, you should test all mothers for hepatitis B. 
It is also important to note that breastfeeding does not increase the risk of transmission. So you can't tell a mother, okay, you have a hepatitis B, okay, mtoto akizaliwa, uh, you won't breastfeed. No, no, no. You tell her, okay, you just breastfeed. As long as there are no cracked nipples, just always check for the nipples. If they are not cracked, if there is no infection of the nipples, fine. She can continue to breastfeed. Don't tell the mother, okay, let's wait for vaccination of the baby, then you can now breastfeed. No. There is no increase of risk of transmission with the breastfeeding. So what is the pathophysiology of hepatitis B? So with all these forms of transmission that has occurred, so we have acute infection. With acute infection, there's inflammation of the liver. With inflammation, your body decides to respond. So how does your body respond? Your body responds by cellular immune response. And with that, there's more damage to the hepatocytes. And you see, when the hepatitis B, when uh, the hepatitis B will express the viral peptides on its surface. Once it has expressed this on the surface, your WBC, specifically your lymphocytes, come. They're like, hey, okay, there's something going in the liver. Let me go and check what is going on. So we go, because now hepatitis B is expressing something. So obviously, if you express something, the white blood cells will try and form an immune system, to, um, an immune response to go and fight whatever is being expressed. So it goes. With that now, the lymphocytes, especially the CD4 T cells, attack the hepatocytes. And with constant attacking of the hepatocytes by the immune regulators, it causes inflammation with com continued destruction. So that causes now injury to the liver. That's how cell death occurs. And if nothing is done, necrosis occurs. Programmed cell death occurs. So now that is the way w that the hepatitis B will cause injury. That is in an acute setting. So what happens in a chronic setting? In chronic settings, there is continued necrosis. With continued necrosis, there is cirrhosis. When cirrhosis occurs, at the end of the day, there might be cell dysplasia. With cell dysplasia, there is a higher risk of getting hepatocellular CA. That's why any patient who has liver cirrhosis, they have an increased risk of getting hepatocellular CA. That's why patients with cirrhosis, it's a good... We're going to discuss hepatocellular carcinoma in the future, but if a patient has liver cirrhosis, it's important to always check on them to see whether there has been displayed the presence of any hepatocellular. That's why we do constant ultrasounds for these patients. So that is how chronic hepatitis B occurs. When we come to the clinical features, it is important to note that the incubation period for hepatitis is six to seven weeks. Um, such that initially a patient will just come with constitutional symptoms, they're saying they're tired, so there's lethargy, there's anorexia, there's malaise, and then jaundice starts to appear at the eighth week. So things associated with it would be nausea, right upper quadrant pain, and such. So once a patient has these ones, then probably you'd suspect uh, hepatitis, because a patient will present with jaundice. There are so many uh, things that could be causing jaundice, but one of the top top ones would be viral hepatitis. Um, so on examination, what happens? Uh, the patient could be in fair general condition. What you see on general exam is that the patient is just maybe has lost weight. Uh, the patient could be wasted. Uh, the patient will have um, jaundice. Uh, and uh, per abdomen, you'll find that there's tender hepatomegaly. Uh, it's also important to note that splenomegaly and lymphadenopathy are common. And always, always look for onset of encephalopathy because these patients, especially in an acute phase, could go into hepatic encephalopathy. So it's important to also look for it. So you will look for the signs of encephalopathy. The encephalopathy, sorry, like stage 1 to 4, like the drowsiness, the asterixis, 
things like that. Um, there could be extrahepatic uh, symptoms and signs that the patient could present with, with things like a plastic anemia, because now you see with injury to the liver, it could lead to a plastic anemia. The patient could also get glomerular disease, which is one of the commonest, and the commonest glomerular disease is membranous nephropathy. So if we want to diagnose a patient with uh, hepatitis B, so the first thing is always history and physical examination before we go into lab works. So with lab, uh, we'll do the basics first, and then we'll go into specific serological and biochemical. So the basics we'll do um, full hemogram, we'll look at uh, markers of inflammation like ESR, CRP, you want to look at liver function test, you want to look at the glucose of this patient, then now specific now will be the liver function test. So under serological, before we come to biochemical, uh, there is the hepatitis surface antigen, hepatitis B, E antigen, hepatitis B, uh, DNA, and hepatitis core antigen. But it's important to know that hepatitis uh, core antigen is not routinely measured. So I'm going to talk about each specific serological marker and what it could indicate. So for hepatitis B surface antigen, surface antigen, because there are antigens and there are antibodies. So for antigen, hepatitis B surface antigen tells you there is either an acute or a chronic infection going on. Hepatitis B E antigen tells you there is replication going on. So if you find a patient has surface antigen positive and E antigen, that means replication is going on. Then we have hepatitis B DNA. So this one will, de will determine the amount. It could be 20,000, it could be 100,000, just depending on how you do the patient. And just know that this one is very expensive to do. Then we've talked about the hepatitis B core antigen, which is not routinely measured. Then we have the antibodies. So if we have hepatitis B E antibodies, it shows that replication has reduced. If we have hepatitis B surface antibodies, it shows you that the infection has resolved or immunization has now occurred. Then hepatitis B core antibody tells you either there was an acute infection, a chronic infection, or resolution. However, there is no immunity that comes with hepatitis B core antibodies. The immunity comes with hepatitis B surface antibodies. If you don't get that, you can just go back because these are very important things like they can be used in MCQs and also it's important to know if you are in the hospital setting and you have limited resources, what would you want to do? I would want to do hepatitis B surface antigen and I'd want to do hepatitis B E antigen. So I know that is this patient replicating or not? Because what will tell me, okay, you can have an acute or chronic infection, but are you actually replicating? Are you infectious in this particular moment? So those are the serological markers. When it comes to biochemical, it's basically the liver function test. And the main liver function test that we are in, um, interested in is alanine transferase, the ALT. So you'll do ALT levels, you do AST levels, and then you look at the AST, ALT levels. So uh, AST, ALT levels, if it's greater than one, it will show you there's fulminant infection. But if it's less, it just tells you, okay, there's a hepatitis going on, but it's not fulminant. You can also look at the GGTs, you can look at the and bilirubin levels. So in such a case, you will find, let's say in an acute hepatitis, there's elevated AST and LT, and AST LT ratio is less than one. And we've talked about if it's greater than one, it's fulminant infection. Increased GGT, increased ferritin, increased LP, and increased bilirubin, both 
direct and direct but in chronic the ASTLT ratio is greater than 1 and there is increased GGT so if we come to you see if we have fulminate disease it can go all the way to cirrhosis so now this will tell you that the more the chronic disease there is the higher the chance of going into cirrhosis which could eventually lead into hepatocellular CA by the time someone is going into hepatocellular CA there is depending on the stage of hepatocellular CA it's a poor prognosis by the time you're getting hepatocellular CA then now if we decide to do the imaging the first choice of imaging would be an abdominal ultrasound but now what you see on abdominal ultrasound is just, is just increased echogenicity of the liver uh, you can decide to do a liver biopsy but it's very by the time you're doing a liver biopsy you ex like diagnosis of exclusion where you have not found any other reason as to why this patient has jaundice or this patient has this or this patient has uh, hepatomegaly so a biopsy is only indicated if diagnosis is uncertain or exclusion of any other possible cause of the liver damage so once you have found this patient has hepatitis what are you going to do about it so with hepatitis what you want to do there is um, medical and non-medical so non-medical first of all you want to do lifestyle changes this patient really needs to stop taking alcohol this patient needs to lose weight this patient has to discontinue any hepatotoxic med medication because we don't want to continue injuring the hepatocytes and then now we come into especially now for children who have acute hepatitis b you can do supportive care like if there's rehydration you do nutrition things like that because i'm telling you prognosis in children is better than in adults so if we want to do now um, medical management so medical management the drug of choice would be tenofovir why because uh, studies show that there's increased rates of resistance when you use tenofovir other drugs that can be used is entecavir and lamivudine when i was in fourth year there was a there was a cme where it was saying the drug of choice was entecavir but now currently the drug of choice is tenofovir uh, so or you can also use that or you can use the pegylated uh, interferons and those ones are given for 6 to 12 months and the drug is given subcutaneous so an important thing is that whenever you have a patient who has hepatitis B you should also look for other forms of hepatitis or other forms of infection look for hepatitis C look for hepatitis D look for syphilis look for HIV look at for other things because you see this could be a pre-existing thing that could be occurring in conjunction with other things so always look for something which could be in conjunction with the hepatitis B so one thing is in pregnancy if you find a mom is hepatitis B positive what are you going to do to the child so to the child uh, we are going to when the child is born immediately we give uh, hepatitis B hepatitis B immunoglobulins we give immunoglobulins at birth and then we give vaccination when we start to vaccinate the child remember breastfeeding does not increase transmission so the mother you tell the mom okay you just do the normal the normal the child is delivered in 30 minutes the child should be breastfeeding so we give the vaccine the first vaccine the first dose within 12 hours the second dose in uh, one month and six months respectively so that is uh, how you manage for a mother who is pregnant so what i want you to go look at is um, what are the indications for medical management of hepatitis b because we do not give everybody the drugs so i'd like you to go and look at what indications would you do and it depends on the alt levels ast levels it depends on 
the presence of hepatitis B E antigen and also depends on the number of uh, HPV DNA. So I hope you look into that because it's really important because even as a patient, as a doctor, you will not be giving everybody the same form of management. It's patient dependent. Uh, I hope you have understood this podcast and see you in the next one. Bye.